This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Thank you for everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. We're getting closer to the one-year anniversary. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders and certainly hope it has been beneficial. In addition, thank you for all the support you've provided on the book that was recently published, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are, you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. Paperback, ebook, and audiobook are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry and I wanted the opportunity to give back. To give back to not only those individuals that want to get in this business, but for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your every day. Without further ado, our guest this week. Do you remember growing up and love being around sports at all times? You then decide to take that passion and apply it to your career path. Our next guest did just that and has had the opportunity to work in leadership roles for teams in Major League Baseball, the NFL, and now the NBA. I'm very excited for our next guest, Jason Green, Chief Ticketing Officer for the LA Clippers, Inglewood Basketball and Entertainment Center in the Forum. Jason, welcome to the show. Trav, thanks for having me. Jason, really looking forward to it, and thanks again for your time. Certainly excited to share with the listeners your career journey, and you know I gave a glimpse into the intro, so let's just start at the beginning. You grow up in, in Rancho Cucamongo. Did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> That's right, the kook. Perfect, the kook. And, and you know you grow up playing sports and around the family. What were some of the main sports you were into and, and ultimately maybe gave you a, a brief glimpse of what you wanted to do in your career? Yeah, so like like a lot of kids, right, grew up a, a big sports fan. Um, I grew up playing playing hockey and golf, actually, primarily. A lot of... A lot of travel hockey as a kid. Uh, my dad had season tickets to the Angels, and so we go to games a lot um, when I was a kid and, and was kind of into sports. I wouldn't say it was like an obsession for me. I'd say it was, really wasn't until I got to college that I really, really started to, to kind of become more of a, a, a sports junkie and, and, and take a passion to it. Now, you still play any sports at all? Man, those those days are, are behind me. Still get a little bit of golf. I, I look forward to when the kids are old enough to kind of get back into it and start playing with them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you, you mentioned, Jason, you decided to take the sports path. You had to UC Santa Barbara and study economics and sports management. So you you mentioned getting into college. Did you know back then that this is the industry that you wanted to get into? Yeah, it's funny. I, I really didn't. Um, I thought I was going to pursue accounting. I was like on the track, accounting association. Santa Barbara was a big hub for Deloitte and, uh, and PwC uh, from a recruiting pipeline. And it really wasn't until – 
I, I took a minor in sport management because it sounded like it'd be something fun to do. Through that, connected with the professor, um, developed a pretty good relationship with him, became a, a TA for him. And through that, uh, ended up doing a, a project through his relationships with the Colorado Rockies. And so his son was in their minor league system. He was good friends uh, with the, the general manager of the Rockies. He was a former baseball coach for Arizona State. And so he got us in there, and we did some arbitration research for the Rockies, uh, not to date myself, but it, I think it was Josh Fogg and Matt Holiday when they were pre-arbitration. Pre-arbitration so days. Exactly, exactly. And so we did a, a bunch of research uh, for those guys. And as a thank you, uh, the Rockies flew us out to spring training. And we got to go and do kind of dinner with the executives. And it was basically like an internship. Um, and just a really cool experience and kind of piqued my interest in, hey, this would be kind of cool to get to to work in sports. Like that's it, it, was, it was something I never really thought about. Um, but I think at that point, kind of turned my eye towards it. And so going into that, did you realize then it was sales or were you still thinking about going into sports and more of the, the finance, economics, accountant end? No, I was I was kind of that young, naive college grad who, who wanted to go into the, the baseball ops side. So, you know, my You wanted my to be the GM. Exactly. It was like Moneyball had just come out. Okay. You had Jeff Theo Epstein and, and, and these young these young guys who were, who were running teams. And so I, I interned uh, my summer before I, I graduated uh, with the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. I got a minor league baseball internship, did a little bit of everything, you know, ticket taker, parking attendant, concession stands. I think I wore the, the mascot outfit mascot, at some point. Yeah. Or you, you do a little bit of everything, but – you know, it was really fun. It was, it was fun to go to work at the ballpark every day. Um, it was really low paying, and I think it was a stipend where I made, you know, 500 bucks a month uh, to, to, to work 80 hours a week. But, you know, when you, when you enjoy the hourly wage was just killing it. Yeah, where's, where's the <laughs> California protection, right? <laughs> um, but it was, it was fun. It was fun to go, to go to work every day. And so I think at that point, you know, it kind of piqued my interest in, in getting into to pro sports and, and found an opportunity after I graduated uh, with the Padres in a real entry-level role. Again, still thinking that I wanted to go into the baseball side, but as you, as you quickly kind of get your feet under you and, and learn, um, you know, the landscape of the business, I think, it, you know, my mind probably shifted a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, and out of college, you mentioned you started with Major League Baseball at the San Diego Padres in entry-level sales, and you end up being over, you know, over six years you spent with the organization, really moved your way up all the way up to, to leadership as the director of sales. So, Jason, what do you feel like you've done, you know, in those six-plus years that made yourself so successful but also helped you get promoted so many times in that short window? Yeah, so I, I really – I like to think that I kind of hit the first job lottery. Um, you know, I started in San Diego. Uh, it was it was right before there was an ownership uh, transition. So I, I, I worked for, I think, 18 months under the, the John Moore's ownership. And uh, then the, the team was sold to, to Jeff Morad. They brought in, you know, Tom Garfinkel. And I think early on, I just learned, you know, you got to kind of take pride in whatever you're doing. So even if you have a really entry-level, you know, low-wage job, like you need to be the best entry-level employee that they have. And so it doesn't matter what the task is. How do you do it as well as you can? And how do you constantly show everybody else that you're willing to take on more um, and add value? And I think early on it was just how can I find ways to, to add value? And before I got into the selling role, you know, that may have been taking an initiative where it's like, hey, I'll be the one to go, you know, walk around the ballpark and put hats in the suites or, or whatever the, the minute job would have been, just trying to, to kind of volunteer for those things. 
And, you know, when, when the ownership transition happened and, and Garfinkel came in, I mean, you, you look, it was just a really special group of leaders to learn from. Some of them have been on this, this podcast, right? So, yeah, Garfinkel, who was, who was running the, as, as team president, Brent Stelic, who's, who's now the, the president of one team, Jared Dillon, who's, you know, running the Lightning, Jeremy Walls, who's in Miami, Jonathan Tillman, who you worked with at Teambo, Tyler Ebb, CRO of the Chiefs. There's just a lot of really strong talent in one spot to, to learn from. Um, and once I got into a sales role, you just learn that sales, you know, results are a function of skill and activity. Yep. And, you know, obviously the name of the podcast, right, is, is it's Weeks Hustle. And, and you, you just learn that when you, you're early in your career and you don't have a lot of skill, you can make up for some of that with activity. And it's a fourth multiplier because the, the, the harder you work, the more repetitions you get, the faster your skill develops. And over time, you start to see your results, you know, reflect that. Reflected, yeah, no, absolutely. You obviously had a great career and a continued great career, and I think a couple of things I took away from you know just that part is you know, no matter what you're doing, no matter what role you're in, you got to provide value every day, you know, and, and have a passion for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with good people, uh, which is is a key, and, and ultimately hustle. And I think going back to the surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, that's when you and I first met. You know, I had the the relationship with Jonathan Tillman. You know, from our Atlanta Spirit days, he said, "Hey, you should reach out to to Jason and, and Justin." And you know, we we had that conver- you know conversation. I was at the Pirates, you were at the Padres. We had the MLB and some friendly competitions within that. But also, what I, I really you know admired from you guys out at the Padres and what you're building is just the friendly competition within each other uh, and your peers. And so, why was that so important for you? And how did that experience help kind of lead you where you're at today? Yeah, it's 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 really important. I think I, I found myself being really fortunate. Um, the the peers that I've had throughout my career, both uh, in San Diego as as well as in Miami, kind of having those running mates that that keep you honest um, and they kind of keep you in check. And so in San Diego, it was, it was Justin Peckis, who's you know now the the VP up in Sacramento with the Kings, and and Joel Adams, who's our our VP of of premium sales, selling the new building here uh, with the Clippers, and we just kind of made the decision together that, that we wanted to be really good at this and that we wanted to take our career serious. And look, on every sales team, you're going to have some people that look at it like a job and some people that look at it like a career. And, and we really made the decision and we're cognizant that we, we wanted to make it a career. And so uh, we, we really supported each other in a, in a friendly and competitive way and pushed each other. Uh, every Monday we would get up, you know, 6.30 a.m. We'd go get breakfast together with, with JT and kind of do a book club, and we'd, we'd you know, read books about you know, professional development and sales development as well as personal development, and you know, we'd, we'd set monthly goals together, hold each other accountable, and, and really trying to find those, those accountability partners to, to push you, keep you honest, and when you, you started to take your foot off the gas, have somebody there that could kind of call you on account to it, um, and, and we were just really fortunate to have each other, and I think you, you look now, you know, we, we kind of took the, the long-term view. It was less about like, hey, how do I get that next job before you? And it was more about, hey, if we all really work hard and push each other in the long run, like we're all going to have the opportunity to be really successful in this industry. And, and that's kind of how it played out. Yeah, not worried as much about the water cooler talk, but that, that true break or water cooler <clears throat> talk was about your next deal or some of the objections you were overcoming, et cetera. And, you know, in this business, we talk a lot about competition and certainly the motivation that come from finding like-minded individuals to surround yourself with, which you certainly did a great job in your career with. So what is your recommendation for listeners that, you know, are, are current sales team members or current sales leaders that are trying to find that extra edge? 
Yeah, just I think it's really hard to do it alone. Um, I think when when you're you know being able to kind of draft off of people in in your your sales career, right? To kind of kind of have them uh, you know push you along the way and finding accountability partners. And as I mentioned, there's always going to be some people on your team that take their career serious, and there's going to be people who don't. And you got to ask yourself, like, who do you want to align yourself with? And I'm a big believer, and I'm sure you've heard, you know, the the five people you spend the most time with, or you know, kind of, or you become like the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think it's it's really important. I look at different times in my life and who I was spending a lot of time with, and what their values were, and what their priorities were, and how that really influenced my priorities and, and my behavior. And and so I've really tried to be intentional about surrounding myself with people who are going to push me to be better. Um, and I, I had that opportunity in San Diego, and I would encourage you know, anybody that's out there to to just kind of audit uh, who you're spending all your time with and if, if that's, in fact, having a good impact on you. Right. You're surrounding yourself with the like-minded people and the grid people. And, you know, Jason, in your career, you moved pretty quickly up the, the leadership ladder. So, you know, a lot of our listeners right now are like, okay, you know, once I have some success in sales, where do I go from there? Do I want to be in leadership? Why did you know leadership was the path you wanted to take? Yeah, I think I think it came down to impact, um, and I think the the impact you can have on others. Uh, I love selling. I still love selling. Uh, it's you know it, it's fun to kind of get those competitive juices. And selling's great because there's this very personal satisfaction of look at kind of look at what I did, and yeah. um, you know I've got my fair share of, of ego, I suppose, and I, I, I enjoyed that that piece of selling. Uh, but I think it, it kind of came back to to working for JT. And look, when I when I graduated college as a as a as a young salesperson, I was, I was a little rough around the edges, right? And I wasn't like the most polished uh, professional young seller. And as part of that, J, JT really um, would we would have some frequent honest conversations about the areas that I needed to kind of you know, get better in. And and it was really kind of blunt, candid feedback, which at the time probably hurt a little bit. And I think that's when you know it's good feedback is when you know it's true feedback. It yeah, depends a little bit, the honest right? Ones. And and I look at, at the way I was able to, you know, kind of evolve personally and professionally and, and develop as a professional. And, and I just don't think there's any way that I, I get to where I am without JT's influence as a young seller. And I just remember I've always felt kind of indebted to that and the opportunity to, to play that role or to help influence or impact uh, somebody else's life or somebody else's career, I just think is is really rewarding. And, and even now, I think that's that's probably the piece that I get the most satisfaction out of is, you know, helping others to be successful, pursue the goals, accomplish their goals. Um, and so, you know, that, that seemed like the, the idea of leadership became, you know, really appealing and, and ended up making the jump to an inside sales manager after my third year selling. Oh, absolutely. Now, we're, we're only about 12 minutes into this into this episode, but I think we're going to have to put a rule in place. No more JT talk. I, I know he's, his ego <laughs> is going to be out of control. I think you know, we've, we've mentioned his name seven or eight times now. So, um, okay. But, no, you, you know, again, going back, you, you certainly surround yourself with, with a lot of great people. And you talked about evolving. You know, and so as you look back to your you know, first leadership role as the inside sales manager with the Padres into to your current role now that you've taken the officer there in L.A., what what is maybe one of those key learning experiences in leadership that you just had to evolve? Man, hard learning lessons in my first leadership role. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like I think I think there were probably a few. I think you know one is that that not not everybody's like you, 
and you you probably got to the role that you're in because you worked really really hard and you took your career really serious and you you poured everything into that and then you go and you manage a team of people and you realize maybe not everybody on your team has that same kind of drive and ambition and you know, you need to get really upset about that or you can learn to manage people and get the most out of people who maybe don't have the same level of, of drive and ambition. <clears throat> I think the idea that you're not you're not just a member of the team anymore, right? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so you got to kind of remember that your words carry a little more weight. Um, you know, I, I was kind of known for, for some good banter as a sales rep. And I think as I stepped into the inside sales manager role, realizing that, that some of that banter maybe cuts a little deeper when you're the manager. <laughs> and so remembering, uh, you know, kind of you know, my new my new role and, and the, the weight of words. Um, and I think you're, you're always going to take little bits of pieces of people you've worked for, but you can't try and be, you know, somebody else. Um, you know, really is an authentic. And I think that first leadership job is really about finding your voice and your leadership style that really comes through authentically, which I think is, is ultimately how you, you can lead effectively. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Jason Green, Chief Ticketing Officer of the LA Clippers, Inglewood Basketball and Entertainment Center and the Forum. So, Jason, I know I've received this question a ton, as I'm sure you have, and that is, hey, should I go back and get my master's or my MBA? And you end up going back pretty early on while, while working and received your master's in sports management for the University of San Francisco. What made you decide to go back? Yeah, so I, I went to, to pursue my master's at, at the University of San Francisco right out of undergrad. So I had kind of made the decision – to go even before I started with the Padres. Um, and it was really driven because I wanted to break into sports and I saw that as an avenue to, to get some experience and to perhaps, you know, separate me in a resume stack and, and to be blunt, USF, <clears throat> excuse me, USF just had a really good pitch and USF uh, definitely kind of sold me on the, sold. the pro. Yeah. Yeah. They sold me on the program. And, and so uh, that, that was really what, what drove my, my decision to, to pursue it is, I looked at, hey, I want to work in sports. 
you know, when you're when you're coming out of college, the idea of working for a professional sports team seems a little audacious. And so you think, you know, what are some things I can do to give myself a leg up, uh, you know, to be able to, to break into the industry? And, you know, at the time I felt like, you know, going to pursue a master's was the best path. Now, looking back on it, you know, would you recommend doing it the, the way you did? Would you recommend maybe getting in the business and delaying it a little bit? Would you recommend it at all? You know, I know that's probably put you on the spot a little bit, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, if anyone from USF is listening. Um, <laughs> look, I think higher education is just, it's a really personal decision. And I think a lot of people go for a lot of different reasons, right? I think for a lot of people, you know, being the first one in the family to get their master's degree is is immensely important. And, and there's different reasons that, that people go and pursue higher education. Um, I think if, if somebody's thinking about it, it's important to, to do your homework. Um, I, I probably look at it more now. Uh, I would probably think about it more as an investment. And as it relates to an investment, what type of return you're going to get on that investment. Um, and look, it's, it's also easier for me to say that because I went to, you know, grad school, it got me to stay committed to working in pro sports and I wouldn't trade where I'm at now for, for anything. Yep. Um, but I, I also don't think that I fully appreciated what, you know, graduating with, you know, 50 or $60,000 worth of debt means on an entry level job and, and kind of the, the baggage that, that that can come with. And I just think doing your homework and making sure you understand what type of role you're pursuing, what the earning opportunity in those roles uh, are. I, you know, I went to a school with a lot of people that, you know, maybe wanted to get into, you know, community relations or operations and maybe didn't fully understand uh, what that meant. But again, it's personal experience. And as it relates to, to getting an MBA, you know, having some work experience under your belt and having some exposure to the real world and then going back, uh, to get an MBA probably allows you to maybe apply things a little better and get more out of it. Whereas when you, you know, having gone straight out of undergrad, there were probably just some some fundamental concepts uh, or, or even even lessons that if I went back in the same class today, I'd probably get more out of it because I'd probably be able to apply things to it. Apply it right away. No, it makes sense. And and I, I couldn't agree anymore, you know, in regards to education. Like it's, it's a personal decision, but any way you can educate yourself is going to be better. You're going to continue to evolve. And, you know, kind of back to, you know, the, the common theme of this podcast thus far is surrounding yourself with the right people. And, you know, we certainly talked a lot about that early on. And so, you know, after six plus years with the Padres, you take your next step in your career. And that's to, to Miami with the Miami Dolphins, with surrounding yourself with some of the familiar leaders that you've already mentioned with, with Tom and Jeremy. And so why was that right? Why was that the right move for you at the time? Yeah, so the the Padres had gone through an ownership change, uh, another ownership change, which had had led to some pretty significant senior leadership changes. Um, You know, Tom Garfinkel left to go to to the Miami Dolphins. He took Jeremy Walls with them. Uh, It kind of led to a little bit of a level setting um, for for a lot of people there to kind of determine what the right next move in their career was and and kind of evaluating the, the new landscape. And it, it's funny looking back in the same week, actually, uh, you know, Peckis ended up taking a job with the Kings. Joel took a job with the Cavs and I took a job with the Dolphins all within seven days of each other. Right. Uh, so our, our, our sales team was, was probably a little shook that week, but I, I really viewed the opportunity with the Dolphins um, as, as one that made sense. I think uh, Tom and Jeremy were kind of rebuilding things in, in Miami and having been a part of that process at the rep level, uh, getting a chance to go and have a seat at the table um, and work through that process and, and work alongside some, some really talented people as well. We talk about having that running mate, you know, going and working with Dave Baldwin in Miami. Uh, I just felt like it, it all kind of lined up for me in a new challenge. I'd, I'd never lived outside of California. So 
Uh, in fact, my first time to Miami was when I, I got off the plane to, to move there. Well, you're uh, you know pretty strategic and not moving anywhere in the cold, uh, so that that was convenient, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's by design. There's there's no doubt. People people give me a hard time about that. My my wife likes nice cities, so San Diego, Miami, LA, yeah. uh, by by design. <laughs> no no worries there. And so you know you mentioned you guys were doing a lot when you were at the Dolphins. You know both on the the personnel wise, you know, and the structure wise, but also you were going through a big restructuring and renovation of the facility, which meant in one of your main roles is reseeding the entire season ticket holder base. So walk walk the listeners through some of those experiences for you. Yeah, so I started uh, with the Dolphins as director of business development, um, kind of overseeing uh, new business along with, with Baldwin. And, and probably six months in, they split us. He took over all new business. I took over all service and retention. Um, what better way to go through your first renewal campaign than to have to reseat the entire season ticket base Uh Crazy experience, but one that I think was was really valuable, and one that you know I'm definitely leaning on in the future here as we get ready to to go into our new building in a couple of years. But um, yeah, I mean, we over the course of four months, uh, we created new seating products completely, uh, you know, fundamentally changed the the seating bowl with new precasts, which means we pulled out every seat in the building, put in new seats, new manifests. Everybody had to pick new seats. Took the best seats between the 30 yard lines uh, that I think at the time were you know, $1,100 for the season and put in a new premium, you know, product that was, I think, $15,000 per seat. Um, so you can imagine the the fun conversations we got to have with, with longtime season ticket holders. But over a four-month period between in-person, over the phone, and online, uh, you know, 50 accounts at a time, every hour on the hour, eight hours a day for, for several months, uh, migrating our entire season ticket base into what is now Hard Rock Stadium, uh, Crazy couple months, but but really fun, really rewarding, um, an and experience where you you learned a lot. It was probably my first time really taking on a new challenge um, where where I, I really hadn't done it before, and there wasn't necessarily anybody there who had done it before. Yeah, and not just a blueprint. Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of calls with with you know people who had who had gone through it before but but kind of having to build the plan and the roadmap for how to do that and then go out and execute it um was a a really fun challenge and and one that was really rewarding you know, you talked about a little bit there you know some of these seats are are gone 10x up in price you we talk a lot about this business you're getting rejections there's objections and certainly difficult conversations which I'm sure you had plenty of what were some of the training and details that you provided your team members to help overcome some of those, you know, kind of tough conversations. Yeah, I think just having a game plan is really important. Um, I'm a big believer in sales training and consistency, and being able to to you know make sure that your rep is able to deliver a message with confidence. And I look over the course of my career, and whether it's you know price increases in a in a new uh, venue or team performance or you know, in Miami, we had you know, situations where players were kneeling. Uh, most recently in the, the bubble, we've had a lot of the social injustice, um, you know, dynamic and, and conversation and how that lands with, with certain season ticket holders. And I think it's, it's your job as the leader to make sure that your team is really prepared. Um, they should never be surprised or caught off guard or not ready to handle uh, a difficult conversation. And it's not that it makes it easy. But it really helps you to kind of weather that storm that, that can arise from time to time when you make sure that you've got the roadmap, you've role-played it through, we understand what we're going to hear, we're never going to be flat-footed, and that when we get that, that objection or concern that we know is coming, 
you know, we're able to to respond effectively and with conviction um, and, and not kind of shy away from those things. Absolutely. And, you know, after spending several years with the Dolphins, you guys built a, a very good program with a lot of really successful people that came from it and obviously have, have helped turn that organization around. And, you know, now under your role now in L.A., where you've been for nearly three years, you had the ability to, to really go home. Um, you know, back into L.A. And so was was going home important to you? And, and ultimately, you know, why did you make the move to the NBA franchise? Yeah, I think there were a few things. Um, one, my, my mom at the time was was sick with, with stage four pancreatic cancer. And so there was, there was obviously an appeal of, of being able to move home. Um, but I think even beyond that, it had, it had been a great run in Miami. I, I love my experience there. Uh, opportunity to work with people I consider really dear friends. Um, at that point, I'd worked for, for Jeremy for, I think, six years and Tom for almost 10. And with the Clippers, there was, there was really an opportunity to take some of the things I'd learned going through organizational transitions in San Diego and Miami and then kind of step out onto my own and be able to, to architect um, some change when, when I came to the Clippers. And look, as, as with any opportunity, I think you've got to look you know, first at the leadership. And you know, between Steve Ballmer and, and Gillian Zucker, they just really shared a, a passion for creating a world-class organization. And for me, that was really appealing, and the, the chance to join them in, in that pursuit was, was too good to pass up. And then when you combine that with a chance to come home to L.A., be close to family, and uh, keep my wife in warm weather, uh, that was the, the cherry on top. Yeah, again, staying in the warm. And, and so now in L.A., you oversee all ticketing where you have restructured the ticket sales department as well as launched a, a business insights team that's helped lead the organization to achieve your really unprecedented ticket sales and revenue numbers. So what do you feel like the team has done in, in just that short amount of time to be so successful? Yeah, so it's it's kind of always been drilled into me that the the key ingredients for success in business are you know, people, process, and execution. And while we we kind of managed to catch lightning in a bottle uh, here in LA with with our recent player acquisitions, uh, which has has obviously been fun. You know, when I started in 2008, we were really pivoting from a high demand kind of lob city dynamic into a team that that didn't have any all stars, which which resulted in in demand dipping a little bit. I think that dip really forced us to evaluate, you know, how how we could create internal momentum to drive revenue results. Um, and so we had some some key early hires when I started with Joel Adams and Crystal Hogan, and we we restructured the the ticketing department, re, you know, separated sales and service, built out a business intelligence team. We invested really heavily in our, our tech stack to become, you know, kind of more effective and efficient, and, and really leaned into to data analytics to help to, to drive our business. And in terms of, of what's allowed us to be successful, I just think it, it comes down to getting a, a really talented, diverse group of people to, you know, think critically about how we can best drive results and then set a course and try and execute at a really high level and, and, and not being afraid to make mistakes because um, you're, you're going to make mistakes along the way and just making sure that we learn from them and, and that we're getting better. And, you know, it's, it's been a really fun couple of years and I'm, I'm really bullish on, on the future. No, absolutely. And, you know, we certainly have, have learned from kind of the same tree, right? The, the, the people plus the process is equals productivity. And, you know, even if, you know, with some free agent signings, you've got to be able to ride that wave when it comes. You've got to be able to, to put yourself in a successful position, which you guys have done. And you mentioned leadership. And, again, kind of back to the, the you know, idea of this podcast is about people. Many of the NBA fans see the passion of your owner, Steve Ballmer, and, and what he does on a consistent basis. But more importantly, you know, really how great of a business businessman he has been in his entire career so what's it like working for someone like him and you know what do you feel like he, some of his key characteristic traits that he's bringing to the table every day 
Yeah, so look, having having gotten to know you know Steve over the last few years, I, I feel you know really lucky to say with confidence that that we get to work for the best owner in sports. Um, I think his his passion is very evident that that everyone is is seen and has been well documented. Um, but then you know the challenges of the last year and, and how our organization has responded, I think have also really revealed his his compassion. Um, he's got really high expectations for you know everyone in the organization, but at the same time he's you know, willing to, to provide the resources needed to help get us to new heights, both on and, and off the court. Um, and, and kind of, you know, as we've worked towards this, this new arena and seeing, you know, his vision start to come to life for this, uh, it's, it's really been a, a pleasure getting the opportunity to, to work for him over the last couple of years. In addition to the Clippers, you kind of mentioned with, with the new arena, but you oversee all ticketing at the Forum, which annually hosts, you know, so many events a year, plus the, the Inglewood Basketball and Entertainment Center that, you know, not only will be the new Clippers home, but also the area will become an L.A. destination that will begin in, in a couple years here. So, basketball analogy, ton of balls in the air. What does a day-to-day look like for Jason? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's that's what makes this role so fun right now, is that, that really no two days look the same. Um you know, right now we're obviously focused on you know, launching renewals and, and selling new business for the the 21-22 NBA season. We're we're really optimistic that we're going to be able to get fans back in the the stands for next year. And at the same time, having you know several meetings a week with architects and contractors on the design and product development for the new arena. Um, working really closely with with Joel, who's in the process of recruiting and building out our premium sales team and getting ready for the the, the go to market strategy on on premium seating. Um, and then we're keeping a close eye on the return of concerts and, and looking at ways that we can kind of grow our, our premium seating revenue in the forum and, and find unique ways to, to leverage our, our businesses to drive results. And so, you know, considering the world of live events has pretty much been shut down for the past year, I feel like I've, I've been really fortunate to, to keep my dance car pretty full. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, given those multiple venues and, and the multiple balls in the air, you know, efficiency has to be a huge part of the day because in addition to all that, you're, you're also, you know, a wife and a couple kids. And so how are you structuring your day and, and prioritizing both personally and professionally? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, we've got two little ones, Beckham and Penelope. Uh, Beckham's almost three. Penelope will be uh, nine months in, in a week. Uh, our little pandemic baby born in April. Um, and it's, it's funny when, when Beckham was born, uh, I started with the Clippers when he was three weeks old. And so my experience with him when he was younger is, you know, stepping into a new executive job with a three week old, I feel like, you know, his, his first year was, went by in a, a blur. And, and now with, with Penelope, you know, the last eight months, I've been able to start my day every day for the last eight months going for a walk on the boardwalk with her. It's like the best part of my day. Yep. Um, and so I think the, the silver lining of the pandemic is, is definitely the additional time that I've been able to, to spend with the kids in, in lieu of commuting in L.A. Uh, but in terms of, of day structure, I think just managing, managing the calendar is key. It can be really easy. I think especially in the work-from-home dynamic, your calendar can fill up really, really quickly. Yep. Um, yeah, there's no more five-minute pop-ins. It's a 30-minute calendar invite. Exactly, exactly. And so I think really being, being disciplined and understanding, like, what meetings I need to attend – and what meetings can I allow my direct reports to really drive and make decisions on? So I'm, I'm constantly, you know, evaluating what kind of near-term, mid-term, long-term priorities each of our verticals has so that nothing slips into the cracks. And I think for our leadership team, just making sure that we kind of keep the main thing the main thing, which for me is just making sure that everybody on the team has really clear guidance and direction on what they need to be doing and what they need to be executing on that are going to help us drive revenue. It's awesome, and Jason, you've obviously had a great career thus far, and it's and you know it's certainly only getting started. You've got a, a long way to go and a, and a great journey. But what would you say, looking back on it, you know, has been your best memory to date? 
yeah, I've been I've been really lucky and you can know, work with some great people and, and have some great experiences. I think you know, the the away game trips that, that we would take in Miami, uh always kinda jump out. Opportunity to to fly with the team to London a couple of times, uh as we hosted suite members and you know, we, we did a pub takeover for Dolphins fans who are coming in from all over the world, which was, was really cool, and being able to, to mix and, and mingle. I think the the one that probably stands out the most is, uh, you know, we did a, a, a road trip to San Diego to play the Chargers, and we were hosting suite members on the trip, and we hosted a dinner at, at Eddie V's down in La Jolla with some executives, alumni, and suite members, and our president, Tom, uh, suggested that I invite my parents. As I mentioned, my mom at the time was, was battling stage four pancreatic cancer. And it was just this really cool moment to share. Um, kind of looking back when they thought I was a little crazy, talking about wanting to go and work in pro sports. And then you fast Taking forward. the $500 stipend a month. Exactly, and like, exactly. Yeah. And then, then you fast forward and you're you're like breaking bread with Dan Marino, hearing him tell little war stories. And it was just this really surreal, uh, cool moment to, to share with my parents and kind of give them this uh, – this glimpse into to my world a little bit, which was, was fun, but I've been fortunate. That's awesome. Well, Jason, this has been great. You've had such a great career journey and certainly a big mentor to many. And so to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Shoot. All right. You're up. You're singing karaoke. What song are you choosing? I think karaoke, you got to go, I Will Survive. I, like I think it. I think that 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 is one that's going to get the crowd going, you get a little energy going, a little sing along. You know, hopefully you get enough people to sing loud enough that my voice gets drowned out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great one though. You know, looking back throughout this this last year, uh, you've had a lot going on both in your personal and professional life, and as the world is around us, what would you say has been your favorite purchase this year? Yeah, I think I think best purchase would have to be the AirPod Pros. Um, as, as I mentioned, you know, I, I go for a walk, about an hour walk with, with my daughter, you know, pushing the stroller every morning. And that's where I kind of am able to either listen to music and think, or I'm able to listen to podcasts and kind of get caught up on the world and, and see what's going on. I think it's, uh, it's been, it's probably been the best, best purchase. I think as somebody who used to like listen with just regular headphones, it's, it's been a game changer for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so finally on uh, the last question in the hustle hot seat before our takeaways, you're now having your own late night talk show. Who do you invite as your first guest? I'd have to go with Adam Silver. Uh, I think, you know, the the challenges that he has had to face in his role, and you know, the the way that he has been able to um, lead through those challenges is is one just really inspiring. And, and it's been really it's like he's been faced with some of the most difficult situations. Um, and I think, you know, he, when you think about a, a leader in terms of how they conduct themselves and how they're uh, thoughtful and, and how they're measured with, you know, the way that they, you know, respond to crisis, um, it's really inspiring. And, and I think that, that he would probably be, probably be the person I'd want on the, the couch to, to pepper with questions. Yeah, and, you know, obviously a ton of great stories and really cool and interesting stories as well. So, well, Jason, thank you. To close it out, what are your three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Three key key takeaways. I think, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about your career, um, just being really intentional about your career and your development, um, it's really tough to passively accomplish big things. Um, and I think being a constant learner and, and soaking up information and 
and you know leaning into a, a diversity of opinions is is really important. Um, you know, treating your career more like chess than checkers. Uh, you know, not not viewing, not always viewing things through a short term lens. I can't tell you how many people I've seen take, you know, make bad career decisions because one option paid five grand more than the other. And it's like, no, but like, wh- how is this move going to set you up for the next three moves? Long term. Being, being really in- intentional. And, and remembering that you're compensated in different ways, right? I think so often people think about their compensation in terms of, of financial, but you can be compensated financially. You can be compensated through experiences. And you can be compensated through knowledge. Um, and I think when you're really thinking about what you're getting out of a career opportunity is important. And then lastly, just relationships. Our, our industry is a really small one. Um, I think relationships are really important. You, you never know where things may lead in the future. It's really important not to burn bridges. And I think it's just it's really important to treat people well, you know, regardless of your role, regardless of theirs, um, you know, being being respectful and knowing that over time, you know, none of us know where any of us are going to end up. And, and you want to make sure that, you know, when, when people think about you, that, that they think about you as somebody who, who treated them respectfully and, and took the time. Great takeaways, you know, and couldn't agree more. Being intentional, being that sponge, always, you know, learning and evolving. You know, I love the analogy, chess, not checkers. Uh, you know, there's multiple ways. Because going back to what you first said, you realized early on in your career, you wanted a career, not a job. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so understanding mm-hmm. that. And then we, we've talked a ton about it in this podcast, relationships. It's all about the people. So, Jason, thank you so much. You've had a great career. It's always a pleasure talking to you and certainly appreciate all your, your time and expertise. Yeah, Trav, appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.